Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Leading into Leadership podcast for episode number 44. My guest today on the show is Dr. Amy Matthews Perez, and you might be wondering, who is Dr. Amy Matthews Perez? Well, here you go. Let me tell you. Texas born and raised Dr. Amy Matthews Perez is currently in her 30th year of public education, where she has served as a general education teacher, a speech language pathologist, a diagnostician, a special education supervisor, a principal, an assistant principal, and she has been the director of special education. Wow, she has done a lot. Dr. Matthews Perez has also worked in the private sector, working as an education coordinator at a county facility and in both home health and nursing home settings as a speech-language pathologist. As a learner, she considers herself an experience expert. She lists passions as communication and laughter and using them to inspire and empower others. Dr. Matthews Perez has an amazing story. We had a wonderful conversation recently. I can't wait to share it with you, and we'll do it right on the other side of this. Leaders, your educators deserve to have a leader who believes in them, who supports them, and who lifts them up when they're down. Right now, they deserve that reminder that they are traveling their own road to awesome. On that road to awesome, we focus on the things we can control and we let go of the things we can't. On that road to awesome, we rise by lifting others, not by pushing each other down. And on that road to awesome, we change the world one conversation at a time. Leaders, I want to work with your schools. I want to work with you and your educators to lift them up, to honor the work they do, and to let them know they are not in this alone. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's get your teachers back on that road to awesome, to find that love, to find that clarity, and to walk in their purpose. Reach out to us at roadtoawesome.net for your opportunity to bring Road to Awesome to your school. And now here we go with episode number 44, Dr. Amy Matthews Perez. Enjoy this conversation. I will see you on the other side. All right, Amy, thanks so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. It is great to reconnect with you. Great to see you again. How is everything going with you today? Uh, Things are great. They can't be anything less. Things are always awesome because I'm a silver lining kind of gal. So uh, I always look for the silver lining and what I'm going to learn from every situation. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and learn from you and learn with you. Excellent. Agree with you 100%. Um, and again, I, I'm just thrilled to uh, to get to learn alongside you as well. So let's do this really quick for my listeners who don't know who Amy Matthews Perez is. Let's have you just share real quick, you know, who you are, where you're coming from, what you're up to, some of your experience, you know, that kind of thing. Throw your bio at us. Okay. Well, I can tell you that um, I'm from Texas. Some people say they can tell from my voice. Some people say they can't. Um, born and raised in Texas. Don't be jealous. 
Um, but I will tell you that I knew in fifth grade that I was going to do what I'm doing. Now, wait, let me clarify. I knew that I was going to work with students with special needs. I did not know in what capacity, but I share that because I've always been an educator at heart, even before I knew how I was going to do it. So, um, but my experience in education has kind of been all over the place. Um, this is my 30th year, which is kind of hard to say, but it's my 30th year and I've um, done a lot of different things all in well all but one year in public ed so i um, taught junior high school sixth seventh and eighth grade i was the cheerleading sponsor i was the future problem solver sponsor i was that teacher um and then i worked as a speech pathologist and then i worked as a special ed supervisor um a principal and all of those roles darren were in a district that i graduated from so i was even lucky enough when i was a principal to have one of my personal elementary teachers. She taught me in elementary school. She was a teacher at my campus when I was a principal. Wow. So that was a really cool experience. Um, a little intimidating, I'll be honest. Um, when I started, um, a couple days after I started, we were walking down the hall and she said, Dr. Perez. <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, ma'am. She said, I believe I'm just going to call you Amy. And I said, yes, ma'am. I mean, what do you do? I mean, she was right. She was just an amazing and influential educator. But anyway, so I was a, I've been a principal. I've been an assistant principal um, at I was an assistant principal at elementary and high school levels. Um, I worked at a county alternative school as the education coordinator. It was a fun job. Um, I've also been a director of special education and I'm currently a director of special programs here in Central Texas. And special programs include special education, but also includes 504, dyslexia, MTSS, uh, and being the liaison for foster care and homeless students. Um, I love education. Um, I uh, love what I do. I love working with people. I love training, entertaining, and I'm driven by practicality. Um, so, Another thing that most people learn about me fairly quickly, Darren, is I'm really bad at interrupting people. So I'm going to apologize right up front. Um, but I'm an impatient listener. I'm an impatient listener and I'm impatient and impatient learner. Um, but I am a sponge. I seek novelty and I seek opportunities to learn and grow. So hope that's not too much about me, but that's me in a nutshell. No, that's not too much at all. I love that. Um, and I mean, there's 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 actually a couple of elements there I want to unpack just a little bit. Um, okay. First off, I I love I love the phrase uh, impatient listener and impatient learner. I think that's fantastic. But the thing I really want to unpack um, frequently when I speak, when I do professional development, and I work with with an audience, I will ask them. You know, I'll share my origin story, if you will. You know, kind of the whole superhero thing. All educators are superheroes, which means we all have origin stories. How we got into education, and so often I will preface when I lead them into telling their own origin stories that not all of us were in fifth grade thinking, "Hey, I want to be an educator," and you actually are one of those people who. That's true. You know, most, I think this is something a lot of educators don't realize, and this is why I do the origin story thing, is so many of us in education, that was not the original path. 
That wasn't the original destination. Now, even in your case, you said, you know, it's not like I knew I wanted to be, you know, a special education teacher, but you knew you wanted to work with special needs kids. But anyway, I just I had to unpack that a little bit because finally I have somebody who can say, oh, no, in fifth grade, I really did know this is what I wanted to do. And you've lived that out. I think it's awesome. I really do. I, I will. I appreciate that. And I will tell you, Barbara Dulock is why that happened in fifth grade. She was a friend of mine who best recollection considering i'm old and that was fifth grade had a brain tumor i believe um and passed away while we were friends in fifth grade but her needs as they evolved because of her situation really is that's just how i connected and i knew from that moment on that's what i was meant to do in some way shape or form um but i'll tell you i tried to divert off of this path when i went to junior college um, I'd taken all the surveys, you know, that you do in junior high and high school, and all of them said teacher. All of them said teacher, and I went to junior college, and they were like, well, you know, computers are really, that's really where the money is. I was like, you know what, you're right. So I took <laughs> I took a computer <laughs> programming class, and um, I wrote a program that would not stop looping. So I'm assuming somewhere I put a comma instead of a period. Um, and so my professor pulled me aside and said, let's really talk about this. And so that's the, I went right back to education, right? Where I, you know, I'm not chasing the money, right? I chased my heart, and there you my, go. but I really felt like my meaning, meaningful mission was so, but I did try to get off the path, but it didn't work. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. You know, I, my, my story without, without boring people with it, cause I think I've told it before, but, um, I did briefly, uh, major in business for a semester. And, you know, I think that was kind of, you know, Hey, I'm going to chase the money. And we had a class, um, that, that I took that was all about like, um, investing and, uh, you know, like the first day that the, the professor handed out these, you know, and this was back in the, um, very late eighties, but he handed out these forms for us to fill out, to send in, to get a semester of the wall street journal because we had to like pretend to invest money and I lost bad. And I, I just, that wasn't my thing, but right. you know, I found, I found the path eventually too, but uh, I diverted yeah. off of several paths before <laughs> I got, I got to where I am. So I, I, I found an interesting parallel. Yeah, what you talked about, though, with beginning at the junior high level, um, I did the same thing. I actually taught at the junior high level for five years, had no interest in teaching junior high. I mean, it was, I'm going to be a high school science teacher. I'm going to be a head basketball coach. That's what I'm going to do. Eventually, that's what I did. But I spent five years at the junior high level. And every now and again, I'll joke with it and say, you know, I served five years of hard time. But in wildlife you know, management, we worked in wildlife. Yeah, management. exactly. That's true. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, the truth is, I loved, loved mm -hmm. my time working at the junior high level. I taught eighth grade, coached some seventh grade sports. I mean, it was great. But talk a little bit about that that middle school experience, that junior high experience, and how maybe that had to set you up for dealing with parents and dealing with you know with other adults who maybe maybe just don't want to play well uh it definitely did i have so many stories from junior high and i um from teaching junior high not from my junior high that's a different podcast um so you probably I have those started, stories too <laughs> i do um so i actually got hired in late january of the school year 
So they'd had subs all fall and they just thought I was going to be another mm. notch in their belt. Um, so that was really fun. And I was very young. So I looked like one of them. Um, I got reprimanded more than once from my principal that said I wasn't dressed professionally enough where she could distinguish me from the students. Um, anyway, when I taught junior high, I taught uh, theater and speech, not shocking. And um, I was the cheerleading sponsor, the future problem solving sponsor. So yes, I had interactions with parents and other teachers all the time. But what I love about junior high is those students will keep you young and they will keep you honest. And that is a place where they appreciate the honesty. They appreciate the fact that you can say, yeah, I don't know, but we're gonna figure it out together. They appreciate that. And I feel like unintentionally, I probably modeled that for my peers because I'm a very open book, very transparent. I have no problem saying I don't know, but I will work really hard to figure it out. Um, so being young and being new, um, I did have a lot of different experiences. And I do remember one, um, I had a student that um, first semester of teaching, so give me some grace, was not behaving well, quote unquote, in the classroom. And so <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. And if, if he's listening, I'm sorry, Mr. Snodgrass. I went to the librarian, Mr. Snodgrass, and said, you know, Darren just is not acting right. Can I send him in here? <laughs> And he sat me down in all of his kindness and said, the library is not a disciplinary placement. So yes, it was a great learning experience for me. Um, another junior high, uh, when I taught junior high, another experience was um, as long as my students were learning, I didn't really mind about the noise level as long as they were learning. Um, and multiple times, uh, one or two teachers would come by and, you know, shh your class is too loud or tell me later, your class is so loud. So I think I did kind of expose some of those teachers to say, it doesn't have to be sit at your desk, hands folded. We were learning, we were active. We were um, learning from each other. I even had the students teach the textbook. That was one of their assignments. I gave them chapters, they had to work together, teach the chapter or portion of chapter create an assessment, grade the assessment, and their peers had to grade them. It was it was just novel ways of getting students to learn. And again, I'm so practical. Um, it's probably one of my many, many shortcomings, but I needed what they were learning to be something they could apply to their life at the moment and in the future, not just book knowledge. So I think I exposed some of those seasoned junior high teachers to that. Yeah, I love that. You, I'm just sitting over here just laughing. I had to hit the mute button because I'm laughing so much. Um, <laughs> thinking back again to, to my junior high teaching you know, days as well, and I'm sure anybody who, who was in that eighth grade hallway that, that might be listening will remember uh, what I described simply as the sounds and smells of learning. You know, Again, I was a science teacher, physical science. So, I mean, I was blowing things up and um, I mean, there's some great stories there too that, that mm -hmm. we're not going to chase right now. But yeah, the sound and smell of learning. And my principal started to say that. I mean, I actually heard right. Betsy a couple of times say, hey, that's just the sound and smell of learning down there at Darren's room. Like, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I knew we were kindred spirits. I just knew it. So. <laughs>
There you go. So, okay. So, hey, we're here to talk about leadership and, 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 and in a way we already are, but let's, let's maybe go a little bit deeper uh, and talk a little bit more about, about leadership. And specifically, I want to ask, uh, before we get into a couple of great stories you told me before we hit record, I want to get into how the, the transition for you took place from, you know, being in the classroom, being in a, working in a county level facility, and then being a principal. Um, what I know, I know now you work in, in this, this SPED director position that's so much more than that. It's MTSS, it's 504, it's, it's everything that is special programs. <laughs> what, what did you learn about leadership and about yourself in a principal role? And, and maybe what are some of those, those golden nuggets that you picked up that have helped you be successful in the role you're in now? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. I was um, in another city being, and I was a speech pathologist and working on multiple campuses. And um, the elementary school campus principal asked me if I had my, back in the day, I'm old, mid-management certification um, to, be a, to be a campus administrator. And I told him, yes, sir, I did. And so he invited me to be his assistant principal. That's how I got into campus leadership. And he um, said some very kind things to me about how he's seen me work with teachers and students and um, some very kind things. So that's how I got my start. So shout out to Terry Avery um, for giving me the opportunity to serve as a campus administrator. And as an assistant principal, I just fell in love with selfishly the immediate feedback and gratitude you get from those kids. The, I mean, the oh, yeah. minute they're out of the car, you you got it. And it's constant and it's all day, good, bad, or ugly. I mean, I used to do, um, I would do a cartwheel every day we didn't have an office referral. And um, the students would say, is it a cartwheel day? Is it a cartwheel day? And I'd say, ask your friends, ask your friends. I'm not gonna tell you, ask your friends. Have they been to see me or have they not? It's, we'll see. And they were consecutive. So I got up to where I did eight, had to do eight cartwheels in a row during lunch. Cause that's when I did them. Um, luckily for me, that day was the day where one of our students was assistant principal for the day. So she had to do the cartwheels. So that worked out nicely. <laughs> well played. Um, <laughs> it wasn't even on purpose. I mean, it was just, you know, the way things work. Um, it was a good eight yeah. days in a row. And so from that assistant principal position, um, I kind of went out of order. The uh, special ed director position in that district came open. Um, and so I applied for it. And um, my superintendent at the time, who since passed away, came to me after the interview and all that stuff. And he said, we want to offer you the job. And I was like, yay. He's like, wait, just wait, because I want you to think about it. I don't want an answer today. I want an answer tomorrow because I want you to sleep on it because special education director can very quickly become a pigeonhole job. Because if you're going to be as good at it as I think you are, it's going to be very hard to get out of that job. So I thought about it and then I said, yes. <laughs> and I loved my job. I loved every single thing about it. And then I moved to another district as a special ed director. And that was away from home where I was born and raised here in central Texas. Um, and then I had the opportunity to come back home where my parents live and I'm, I'm the youngest of six children and oh, you're the baby. No, I just happened to be born last. It's not really my fault but I had the chance to come back um, and be a principal. And in my Amy brain, I thought, yes, I get that 
get back to that immediate gratification, right? When you work on a campus. And I thought, that's how I'm, that's it. I'm going to be a principal and I'm going to retire from bring, being a principal and, you know, hearts, flowers and rainbows. Um, so came back home and I was a principal at a fabulous, fabulous elementary school. Uh, it was it was such a learning experience, Darren. I learned so much, but I, I do have a funny story. A couple weeks after I started, um, my supervisor, it was on the weekend. I think it was a Sunday. It doesn't really matter. It was just the weekend. Called and said, um, <laughs> Amy, I just want to let you know that um, your cafeteria is flooding. Now, I've been on the job about two weeks as principal. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know. And she paused. And I happened to know her from years past. And she said, um, you're going to want to go up there. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I am on my way. <laughs> and that's one of the many times it clicked that as a campus principal, you you are it. You are the end all and be all for every student, yep. parent, and teacher on that campus. And you know, you hear that adage all the time. You don't know until you know, or you don't understand it till you do it. And I still struggled, even though I did it for five years, every now and then I'd go, and I'm supposed to be the one that knows all of that and answers to all of those people. Um, but I did love it. I mean, we did some awesome things as a campus team. Um, I learned a lot about leadership as a principal, um, leadership versus management, which I know we I want to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but again, dealing with multiple grade levels of teachers. And this was a campus that had a lot of traditions, a lot of fabulous traditions that still continue to this day. I'm just very grateful that I was a part of that journey, that I was a member of that team for five years um, and dealing with different parents and, and different expectations. And the campus went through some changes right before I got there. And so we went we made it through those changes and uh, came out shiny on the other side and successful. Um, but one of the, I learned a lot as a principal, Darren, I'll tell you that one of the things that um, I learned that I continue to cycle back to is everyone's reality is their reality. And you, you don't, you can't judge it. You can't determine right or wrong. You have to learn it value it and then build from there because it's easy. I think the easy way to lead people is with an iron fist. You shall, you will, you must, or else. And I don't do that. I'm, I lead the hard way. I'm a messy leadership is kind of what I do um, because I want everybody's opinion. I want to collaborate. I want to talk about good ideas, bad ideas, and come up with something that everyone gets invested in. And that's just, trial and tribulation. So that's one of the things I take away from being a principal uh, was you've got to be able to figure out what their perceptions are, value them, share the big picture, and then collaborate and communicate on how their values fit into the big picture and how everybody's values will build the big picture that we want to build. So that's probably one of the main lessons I learned from being a principal. Does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely, it does. Uh, I okay, thought it was good. outstanding. I mean, there's there's a lot of great pieces in there that I that I want to kind of kind of go back to. Uh, one, just simply when that that principal talked to you and said, "Hey, do you want to be 
by assistant principal. Um, we refer to that on the Leaning into Leadership podcast, and this is this is a phrase I didn't coin. This uh, my my buddy Randy Russell, superintendent in Freeman, Washington, said that's the tap on the shoulder. Um, so you know we've all had our tap on the shoulder to bring us into leadership, but you had multiple taps on the shoulder, and I loved that you talked about how how your superintendent, when offering you the sped director position, said, "Hold on, don't say yes." Now, I want you to think about this because there are a handful, and it made me think about you know a, a moment in my leadership journey. There are a handful of positions that if you step into those, they can potentially be, like you called them, a pigeonhole. Um, my, my first assistant principal job was discipline attendance. That's a way station job. I mean, it's the first one you get into, and it's also the first one you get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean it's a great, it's not a great job. It was, but you know, the first opportunity I had to jump into another assistant principal role, I was right. going to take it. Um, and I actually had two opportunities at the same time in the same building. So, um, our assistant principal wow. who was our athletic and activities director took a principal position and that job was offered to me. And a week later, our, our assistant principal in charge of curriculum and instruction, which is really, that's the pathway to principalship, he took a, uh, took a principalship. And so I had both ah. opportunities. And, and so when you, when you mentioned that story, it made me think back to um, both the principal I worked for and most importantly, uh, the, the human resources director, Assistant Soup, that I worked with, a guy named Mike Lopicolo, one of, one of my five greatest mentors. Mike and I had that exact conversation about, okay, the AD role may look attractive, but it could be a pigeonhole. It may have you stuck there. You know, where do you really want to go? Where do you see yourself, you know, in two years, three years, five years? What's your ultimate goal? Um, And so I wanted to come back to that because I think that's a huge element that leaders need to, to be cognizant of. I mean, right now we have so many new leaders in new roles, whether they're brand new in an AP or principal role, or they've, you know, moved from one role to another or something like that, that, that superintendent, even, even though you said yes, which was, which was fine, but he wanted you to at least think, okay. What about the grand scheme of things? What about the the long run of this picture? He wasn't just trying to fill a role. It was, hey, I want to make sure I'm taking care of Amy here and making sure that Amy is taking care of Amy, not just saying, woohoo, I want to I want to take this job and right. just because I want to take the job. So a- anyway, that, that was a couple of things. I, I know you want to react to that. So I'm going to let you, and then I'm going to come back to something else because it's going to take us into leadership and management. So go ahead and I guess well, react well, to whatever it was I just said. What I was going to say was um, not only was he thinking about me, he was thinking about the role. And I was just so flattered that he said he knew I was going to be good at it. So to me, that was affirmation from from back in when I was in fifth grade. And um, I'm not a planner. I'm I'm just not. It's one of my many shortcomings, shortcomings. I'm spontaneous. When I taught junior high, yes, I turned in my lesson plans, but I also did my lesson plans right here in my Amy brain on the way to school. So I'm very spontaneous. So when he said that I would be good at it and I got that tap on the shoulder, kind of like you're mentioning, I was so elated that he saw my capability. And then the second one was, oh, this is what I was meant to do. I jumped in with both feet and I thought at the time, well, this is what I'm always going to do. Um, But then again, being open-minded and always looking and being aware of opportunities to learn, um, 
I found the other the next role, which was the principal position. So I was very, very grateful that he believed that I would do a good job and that he gave me the thought of think ahead because I know you're going to be good at it. Are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I told you I thought about it. But yes, that's what I wanted to do. So it was it was a big deal in my career that he had the confidence in me that I was going to do a good enough job that I could potentially be pigeonholed in the job. So that's what I was reacting to when you were talking. No, I love that. And and I think, again, and, and again, just listening to you talk a little bit more. Now, here's a whole nother angle that I'm thinking about with this. So from the superintendent chair, you know, so often we want to make sure that, you know, yeah, we're filling the job with the right person. But are we always thinking about that individual and, and not just from the, okay, I think this person's going to be a rock star. I'm going to lose him in two years. But the, okay, I think this person's going to crush this job. Do, do I want them to get stuck in that role? Do I want to give them the latitude to grow? Because as, as leaders, and this is going to lead into leading uh, leadership and management, but as leaders, like the most important role we have is to grow other leaders. Um, you know, for me, having those moments, and, and you hit it earlier, um, where you talked about instead of giving the solution and saying, oh, do this, go do this, go do this, go do this, um, you said, hey, let's talk about what you what you want to do. That was like for me when I discovered how much I love growing leaders. And, and honestly, it's why I do what I do now. But I remember not my initial um, assistant principal team that I was the principal for, but after two of those guys had gone on and taken principal jobs and I got to hire two new people. I mean, they were my team. I mean, I loved the other team, but I inherited them. This was my team. And I found myself, partially because I was a little further down the road as a leader, I found mm -hmm. myself doing exactly that. You know, they would come to me with, you know, hey, here's the situation. And instead of saying, go do this, it was, tell me what you're thinking you want to do. You know, what, what's in your head now? Let's, let's play this through. And I did it for a couple of reasons. You know, one, I, one in particular who was in charge of discipline and attendance, I just, sometimes I just needed to slow him down, you know, because he's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And it's like, okay, let's, let's slow it down just a little bit. But also because I wanted to build the capacity within my leaders that, you know, I didn't have to solve their problems. I, I thought at first as a leader, that was my job. You talked about it too. Oh my God, I have to know everything and I have to solve everybody's problems. And no, if you do a great job as a leader of growing leaders, they do it <laughs> and they know you trust them and you believe in them. And, um, right. that's, that's what I was hearing. Um, as you talked about, about him, it, it was a great tap on the shoulder, but it was also a tap and pause. It was like, okay, I think you're going to do great, but I want you to think. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Eventually we're going to get to leadership management. I promise. <laughs> well, one of the things I want to talk about when it comes to leadership is what um, I term, I, I, I make up a lot of terms. Um, I do. I love me some acronyms, Darren. I have my Amy brain, but I have to do what makes sense to me. So I, I have this term that I use called behind the scenes leadership. Um, and in my brain, it's BTS, but sometimes that doesn't sound right and makes people pause. So I use all the words behind the scenes leadership. Um, and I want to talk about it from my perspective in my role as a special programs director, but my role is not the only behind the scenes leader. You've got um, energy managers 
that work for entire districts. You've got department chairs, you've got lead teachers, you've got lots of different people that are leading kind of behind the scenes. And when I say behind the scenes, I'm talking about the people that are not out in front as your quote unquote typical leaders, like the people that the public sees as obvious leaders, principals, superintendents, things like that in the role of special ed director. And again, I'm just speaking to this because it's my experience. There are other roles that do the same thing. It's the leadership that happens on a day-to-day basis. It's the leadership that, that occurs in small nuances and intentional choices, sometimes intentional choices in words, intentional choices in um, team teamwork and collaboration and asking the right questions. Um, so the behind the scenes leadership, I think takes a very specific skill set. Now, these are skills that every leader I think would benefit from, but to be an effective leader behind the scenes, I think that takes some very specific skills. I'm going to talk about just three of those. Um, one of them is balancing. And most people, when I talk to them about balancing, they see an image of people with two hands and there's stuff in each hand and they want it to quote unquote, literally balance. My Amy brain <laughs> sees balancing as walking on a tightrope. So to me, balancing is a very active verb because you're constantly moving and turning and, and shifting and acknowledging and having to make small changes, sometimes big changes to stay balanced enough to make progress. So again, I know that's not the typical way that people may think about balance, but I see it as a being constantly in motion and adjusting to whatever the need is at the time. Hopefully the first need is yourself because we've got to work on that self-care. But I do see balancing as more of an active verb instead of something that people are just back and forth and let's make sure I have an equal amount of time on this and an equal amount of time on that. That's not what I see as balancing. So that's definitely no, I like one, that a lot. one leadership skill because you think about it, you walk in on a tightrope, what are you doing? I know people can't see me, but you're, you're wobbling, you're, you're adjusting, you're, you're even the smallest shift in weight, right? The, where you put your weight or where you lean, it can make a huge difference. So that's what I think of when I hear balancing, because it's a constant action. You're constantly working and shifting and adjusting. Um, and special ed directors and special programs directors, special ed coordinators, whatever titles they have, they do that. We do that all the time behind the scenes. Um, unfortunately, it's very, very common for people to only know who the special education director is when there's an issue, right? When there's a, a negative issue. So, I mean, I'm not the one that wants to be in front of the parade. I don't need to be in front of the scenes leader. I just want people to realize that leadership doesn't have to be the superintendent or the principal. You can be a leader in lots of other different roles and be very, very successful. So I don't want people to be dismissive or maybe a better way to put it, Darren, is presumptive that success is happening just because it's happening because there are leaders behind the scenes that are facilitating that through through interactions, through, like I said, word choices. Um, but balancing is one of those skills that those behind the scenes leaders um, have to do if they're gonna be an effective leader. Um, another skill is modest expertise. 
So special education is its own arena, right? The terms, the laws, the regulations. So modest expertise is when you know, I mean, a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's really professional. It's when yeah. you know a lot. But you don't have to march around and say, I know a lot. I am the end all and be all. Modest expertise is knowing what you know and facilitating that learning in other people. Kind of like what you mentioned, not being the only yeah. one that knows, but sharing that and being a resource, but also empowering other people to learn. Maybe it's through me. Maybe it's through information that I give them. It it all depends. But modest expertise is definitely a skill set that leaders need all leaders need but your behind the scenes leaders i think we use it more often than we realize but to put a label on it i think is helpful because then you can start to appreciate that the easy way is to say you shall you will you must or else but that modest expertise is a way to facilitate that learning and empower people to know more and to act once they learn um, and the other thing about the modest expertise is a phrase that I use a lot, and it's we go, not ego. We will return to the Leaning into Leadership podcast in just a moment. But first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should write a book? Well, if you have, then let me ask you another question. What's holding you back? What keeps you from taking the step that moves you from, I have an idea about a book, to I am a published author. From experience, I would bet it's probably you're wondering who would even want to read a book that I wrote. Maybe you're questioning the idea. Is it unique enough? Is it valid enough? Is it good enough to be a book worthy of having published? Hey, as a best-selling author myself, I can tell you, most writers have had the exact same feelings at some point in time during their writing journey. Here at Road to Awesome, we believe in cultivating leaders by elevating voices and promoting positivity. And a part of that work is publishing books for educators by educators. Go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the Contact Us button to set up a free, no-obligation conversation about your book idea. Hey, educators, we've all had incredible experiences. We all have amazing stories. And every one of them deserves to be told. Go to roadtoawesome.net, hit the Contact Us button. Let's have that conversation about your book idea. And now, back to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. In order to be effective as a leader, whether you're in front or behind, but we're talking about behind the scenes leaders, you've got to be able to check your ego at the door and be willing to learn with people and help people learn and learn beside people. I guess that's what I should have said. Uh, you don't always have to be the teacher. You don't always have to be the expert. You've got to be able to find that, that middle ground to where you have the knowledge, but you're also empowering other people. But checking your ego at the door allows the group to learn. So I say it all the time. It's not we go it's ego. I mean, people are probably tired of hearing me saying that, but it's important because we all have egos, right? It's human nature. Oh, yeah. To be affected, you've got to let part of you got to let that go and be willing to learn as a team because that's that's how we support the bigger picture. 
one person can support a lot, but if you weave a lot of people together, they can support a bigger picture. Um, so modest expertise is that second skill. And then the third one is um, elucidation. That's a big fancy word, but I'm a word nerd. Um, I do love language. That's kind of what I do. Um, but elucidation, and folks may not know what that means, but it's the act of being able to explain things. So as a special education director, we take information from multiple sources and then we share it with different kinds of people. So let me give you an example. We may have a question about something legal and let's just say we call the attorney and the attorney gives us an answer. Well, what we're going to do through elucidation is share that information with different kinds of people. We're going to share that one way with teachers. We're going to share it another way with campus administrators and we may share it another way with district administrators. It's the same message, but it's crafting it in a way that not only those people understand it and that sounds condescending and that's not what I mean, but in a way that's practical for them, because for me to quote an attorney and, and use language that doesn't apply to what people are doing live in the moment on the spot is not effective. I want to be able to, to craft it in a way where they understand it and can apply it and then own the learning and move forward. Um, I say that a lot too. We're all learning, but once you learn it, you need to own the learning. Don't don't set yourself up where you have to relearn it every single time the same question comes up. So again, facilitating that ownership of learning in a place that's safe, in a relationship that's that's got trust built in so that that can happen. So again, I'm only touching on three, but those three skills of elucidation, modest uh, expertise, and balancing are the things that I think make an effective behind the scenes leader because that success happens in nuances, right? It happens in very small steps. It happens in certain exchanges that are all done with intention. Those behind the scenes leaders, if, if, if success is happening, it's because there's intention in what those choices are and those skills drive that intention in order to make um, the success happen with so many people that the directors deal with, right? We we work with parents, we work with teachers, we work with paraprofessionals, we work with superintendents, assistant superintendents, attorneys, advocates, students. So definitely a skill set there for those behind the scenes leaders in order for there to be su effective and successful leadership. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, as I'm listening to you go through those, I'm thinking about, you know, some of those behind the scenes leaders that I've worked with through through the course of my career. And um, I, I love that you talk about how, you know, the, the SPED director typically is, you know, the face you see when something has gone wrong. But, you know, certainly you want you want that person there, you know, doing exactly what you're talking about, which is helping to grow the people around them and, and helping them to take ownership of their learning, to feel empowered to do something with their learning, not just pick up the phone and call and say, Amy, what do I do here? Amy, what do I do here? But rather that they can move forward. I love all three of those skills. Uh, the balancing one just keeps jumping to the front of my mind. I, I love that analogy because it's, it, it's very true. You know, when we talk mm -hmm. about balance, whether that's balancing your workload or that, that work-life balance, which we know is a farce, um, right, right. thinking about it instead of, you know, the, the, the scales of justice, but rather as, 
you know, I'm walking on a tightrope and, yes. you know, every little muscle fiber that has to fire to, you know, constantly adjust and hold me upright. Um, those are the adjustments we're making every single day, you know, constantly on the move. And, and I, I love how you talk about them as, as those behind the scenes leaders. I, I want to jump to a story that you told me before. Uh, before we hit the record button, uh, before we get to how you're leaning into leadership, I've got to make sure we get this this element in here. Because you were talking about the difference between leadership and management and, and, and an individual's perception. And I want to set this up first by telling you this. For me, uh, the difference between leadership and management, I think, are, are just so important. And both are important. Great leaders are going to be really good managers. You know, now sometimes good managers are not are not great leaders. But it's it was so important to me that as I was completing my doctorate, I completely went away from where I was going with my dissertation research. All the way through, it was about implementation of technology. You know, into instructional spaces. That's what I was going to do a, a dissertation on. I had the great opportunity of having a leadership coach come on to work with me when uh, my second year as a principal got a new superintendent. That's something he believed in. I I learned so quickly that you know some of the organizational management stuff I was not very good at. The instructional leadership I was really good at, but it 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 impacted me so much that I changed my dissertation topic and actually went to studying the perceptions that leaders have on their abilities in management and leadership. Wow. So when you hit that, I mean, it just really was like, wow, I want to make sure we talk about this. And it's a whole other podcast to talk just that topic. But the story, right. I think, is really powerful. And I think it really buttons that up well. So let's let's talk a little bit more and, and just, I don't know, just tell that story again, because I thought it was super okay. powerful. Okay, so I have a, a friend that got a leadership position in a district and um, one of the staff members in that department had applied for that position. And so once my friend got hired, that staff member came to my friend and said, you know, I wanted this job, right? And my friend said, I am aware of that. Um, I'm, if this is your goal, I'm happy to help you reach that. Um, to which the employee was very confused, and very surprised that someone would be that helpful. And it wasn't that my friend wanted to help them take their own job, but if that was the, that person's right. goal, then they wanted to help them. So my friend um, supported that employee, um, helped prep for interviews, um, answered the questions that that employee had about interviews that that person was going to. And so throughout the course of the school year, um, that happened and that, that support continued to happen. And so we come to the end of the school year and um, my friend says they're doing end of year evaluations. And my friend talks to that person and says, okay, so knowing you want this position of blah, 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 whatever that is, let's set your professional goals based on that. And let's get some specific skills going on and let's get you some specific experiences um, so that next time you go interview, you have you know more in your toolbox. And that employee quickly said, uh, no, thank you. And my friend was very surprised and said, wait a minute, you told me you wanted this job when I started at the beginning of the school year. So what's happening? And my friend says that the staff member says, I've seen what you do. That's not what I want to do. 
So not only did that make professional goals for that employee completely different for the next school year, but <laughs> yeah, it bet. really was kind of a, uh, an eye-opening experience for the staff member at what they thought they wanted was a role, quote unquote, but once they saw it done effectively, they realized leadership is not what they want to do. And that person may not have said it, but that person wants to manage. That person wants to be the person that manages and, you know, um, holds, there's that accountability piece of management. To me, management is more black and white than leadership. Leadership is more gray. Mm -hmm. um, the way I lead is very messy. It's very messy. Um, but I think that's what it takes to be effective um, if you're going to build capacity with your team. So it was just very eye-opening for my friend and I think for that staff member to realize what we think is leadership. If it's done effectively, it may change our perspective of what they think it is. So effective leadership versus management, because that employee just had on what I have since coined management blinders and they wanted to manage. They wanted to tell people, this is how you do it. This is the way it's supposed to do. And I'm going to check up on you. And there are places for that. There's no doubt there are places for that. There are roles um, where those skills are necessary. But that employee did not see that happening as the leader. And so they quickly realized, yeah, they don't want that leadership position anymore. So it was right. It was a pretty effective revelation, I think, for my friend and that staff member. I, I really appreciate you sharing that story again, because I think it just, I mean, it underlines so many of those key elements that exist uh, with, within leadership, because certainly those managerial skills, you know, the, Ooh. you know, those times where you do have to give directives or you have to, you know, have very specific sequences or, you know, hey, we've got, you know, certain paperwork that has to be done a certain way. That's important. And you do have to do that. You know, the, the budgetary stuff. I mean, those kinds of things, mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot of gray there, but, you know, there's so much more to the leadership roles and all the different roles that you've discussed through the, through the course of this podcast. So thank you for sharing that story. Um, sure. Let's, let's go to the final question. Uh, last okay. question I ask of everybody here on leaning into leadership. Um, and that's just simply Amy right now, what is it that you're doing to lean into leadership? Well, Darren, I'm a learner, both intentional and unintentional. So what I'm doing is your podcast. That's one thing I'm doing to lean into leadership is learn from you and with you. Uh, but I'm being intentional. That's how I'm leaning into leadership. Because like I said, this is my 30th year. And I know people that have been in education for 30 years or more that don't think they have anything to learn. But that's not me. I, I seek opportunities to learn. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things I'm doing. I'm going to be gen general and then I'll give you some specific examples. Um, I'm expanding my exposure to various learning resources. So I may not be increasing it, but I'm widening my exposure to what kinds of leadership uh, I can learn from. So I am learning from people that are not in the education realm. Um, I'm learning from people that are different kinds of leaders in different kinds of organizations. I'm learning from you know, authors, Kevin Brown with the hero effect. I'm learning from um, Courtney Clark with the revolutionary thinking book. Um, so that's one thing I'm doing is I'm expanding my exposure to various learning resources, including podcasts. I 
tried podcasts about a year and a half ago and unfortunately I figured out how to read the um, transcription while the podcast was happening. And if I hadn't mentioned this, I'm an impatient learner um, and I'm a really fast reader. So I read it in a third of the time that it took to listen. So I kind of dismissed podcasts for quite a while. But now <laughs> that I realize I can listen to podcasts while I'm doing something else, it's a whole new world for me. So I can listen to podcasts while I drive. I can listen to podcasts while I'm waiting for an appointment. Not at work, but you know what I'm saying. And so again, yeah, game I'm changer. exposing myself to a, it, it is, it really is because you can pause it and re, and rewind it. It's phenomenal. So I'm expand, I'm exposing myself to a variety of learning resources. Um, I'm also also intentionally connecting with people outside of education. Like I mentioned, Kevin Brown, Courtney Clark, um, and I am I'm accepting and creating opportunities for me to do hard things. So I'm not shying away from new learning. For example, podcasts. This is I'm, I've been a guest. This is the third time I've been a guest on a podcast. So this is new learning for me. Um, this I think I would probably put this up here with the hard thing as far as getting the setup. And I apologize for the multiple times I had to email you to get that straightened out. But I'm creating opportunities for me to to me for me to grow and for me to learn things. And it may not be in the typical leadership lane, like I was talking about in front of the uh, in front of the leadership that happens in front of people. Mine is more behind the scenes, so it may not be in the leadership lane. But I think everything I learn can be applied to leadership, whether I'm leading um, alongside teachers or principals or friends right or co-workers or family members a leader is is someone in my amy brain that works with people people don't work for me people work with me we learn alongside each other alongside each other it's just as the leader i'm continuing to seek more so i can so it can flow the learning can flow through me to the other people so i can just empower and facilitate growth for everybody around so those are the things I'm doing right now to lean into leadership. It's very atypical, which is kind of how my brain works. Um, I'm the off. I like the offbeat, right, in the music. Um, but it's very atypical. But I, I'm doing those things to lean into leadership and finding every opportunity I can to learn something and figure out how does it apply to leadership in every element of all of my interactions with people. I love it. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, part of your leaning into leadership is being a part of our podcast. Um, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Amy, for being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. This was a great conversation. I know that our listeners are going to enjoy this. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to lean into leadership, Darren, and learn with you. So thank you so, so much. What a great conversation with Dr. Matthews Perez. I really appreciate how she talked about leading from behind the scenes and how she also talked about just messy leadership. Because let's be honest, leadership is not neat and clean and tidy. Sometimes it is very messy, like she talked about. And definitely that behind the scenes leader is somebody that often goes unsung, but is absolutely crucial. You don't always have to be the person at the microphone to be a great leader. And I love how Dr. Matthews Perez talked about that. All of her contact information is in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to her. Make sure you connect with her. And now 
it's time for a pep talk. I had a conversation with a leader earlier this week, and we were talking about how do you just find some time to shut it down. I shared this earlier this week in the blog as well. Here are just three very quick tips for you as leaders to just shut it down. You don't have to shut it down for long, but maybe it's just a quick moment in time. Think about this one. Lights and shoes off. Find a simple place where you can go, unlace your shoes, slide them off, and just sit in the dark for a few minutes. Don't get on the phone. Don't get on the social media or any of those things. Just sit and breathe and relax. You deserve that. When I was a principal, we had this incredible space that was the official's locker room. And it had a great couch, and it was really dark, and it was an opportunity. I only did it maybe once or twice a month, but it was a place where I could just go and just disconnect. We all need to log off every now and again, right? Here's another one for you. Add 15 minutes on your calendar occasionally when you're going somewhere for a meeting. That way, maybe you drive around a little bit. Maybe you stop and get yourself a latte. Maybe you just crank up some tunes every now and again, blasting a little Guns N' Roses, or maybe it's some Michael Buble, whatever it is. Sometimes it's nice to just take that extra few minutes for yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup, folks. You got to take that time. And then here's a third one for you. You know, we talk about self-care all the time, but maybe show up early or stay late. For me, it was always showing up early. Get there, hit the treadmill, hit the weight room. You know, as a high school principal, I had access to an unbelievable weight and uh, cardio facility. So, hey, I would show up early. For a while, I was the one who was staying late. But whatever works in your schedule, take care of yourself. You know, you can only go 100 miles an hour for so long before you break down. So take care of yourselves. Take care of those around you. And the biggest thing there is find some time for your own self-care. Thank you so much for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast this week. Have yourself a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.